This is Chris Henderson of Jay's Journal, and you're listening to Ari Shapiro of the Jay's Journal podcast. Join me to talk about your favorite pastime, the Toronto Blue Jays. And of course, here we are, smack dab in the middle of spring training 2018, and we can't decide whether the glass is half full or half empty. And fortunately, I've brought with me the kinds of guests who might be able to shed some light on that paradigm, that conundrum, that vexing reality that is your beloved baseball team. First up, I've got an exclusive on tap directly from Dunedin, Florida, where he's working on his quality tan. Dow of Steve drops in to speak with me about the Blue Jays in spring training. He gives some really candid perspectives on Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Josh Donaldson, Devin Travis, and a host of other players that you're going to want to listen very carefully in appreciating what this man has to say. A real good friend of the show and a fantastic writer and blogger with Sportsnet. Next, I've got one of the site experts at the Jays Journal, Chris Henderson, whom you know to be one of the most prodigious writers across the land. You can find his work everywhere, but mostly at www.jaysjournal.com. And Chris drops into what is effectively the first of what will be many installments. I haven't decided if I'll call them Henderson's Haberdashery or Henderson's Hour or Henderson's Way, which kind of reminds me of Carlito's Way for some reason. Because he's he's almost unnervingly criminal in his perspectives. He sees the game in ways that we do not, and he's able to look at some of the trending articles right now in the Jays Journal and let you appreciate what's on tap. There's some really good stuff. The writers and contributors on behalf of Fansided and the Jays Journal work very hard to bring you quality baseball consumption. And finally, rounding out the show is an absolutely phenomenal podcaster, a real celebrated social media guru, Kareem Kanji from Girth Radio drops by to talk about his love of the Blue Jays and what is a surprisingly healthy dose of skepticism for this upcoming season. So needless to say, I've got guests who'll be looking at perspectives that ultimately you, the listener, will decide are worth following here on the Jays Journal Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Now, here's the thing about this next guest. You know this gentleman for so many reasons. He does a lot of great things with Sportsnet. He writes a great deal. He blogs. And on Twitter, he's an absolute sight to behold. This guy is funny, and he's knowledgeable about the Toronto Blue Jays. And by coincidence, not only has he agreed to come on my show, but he is in Dunedin, Florida, which is a huge source of envy and, and, and frustration for me, but I will tolerate it for this interview because Dow of Steve 
is on the Jays Journal. Mr. Steve, how are you? I, I'm well, except that I'm blocked in by the Baltimore Orioles bus. So, uh, so you know, they're already grinding on my nerves, and, it, and it's barely even March yet. So, I have to say, I'm thrilled to be speaking with you while you're down in the training, enjoying the games. And I need to start off by asking you, first of all, how are you feeling being down there? I know you've been to other spring trainings and have followed the team for decades. Is there anything truly different or unique about your experience this this time of year, this time around? Well, yeah, I, I think the main thing uh, that I picked up uh, so far has been just that I think that there's some added energy to this camp. Um, uh, and, you know, some of that might be my own perspective on it and and uh, and me reading a bit more into it than maybe I should. But, but I really do feel like there's some uh, added energy uh, energy uh i think uh, just the number of of players who you know you can look at and and who have a legit chance at playing on the major league roster this year um and you know the thing that's been brought up i guess in the last 24 hours is that they didn't sign any minor league free agents this year everybody who is in camp uh came is somebody who came through the system so there's a there's depth there uh, I think I think it's interesting. I think you're starting to see the narratives of a whole bunch of guys' careers advance. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, it's it's a fascinating time, and I think, <coughs> excuse me, it's a fascinating time, and I think with the uh, the additions that they have, um, it, it's certainly been something where you're trying to get a read on what. Uh, some of these players like uh, Randall Grichuk or, or Curtis Grandison um, are going to do for this team this year. Which is especially amazing considering that you're, you're talking about the future and visualizing what's to come. And with every single day, there's a new story that seems to send everyone here in Toronto into this whirling dervish of excitement, enthusiasm, and, and hype. And not surprisingly, you know what I'm referring to the other day when you probably witnessed with your own eyes Vladimir Guerrero, Bo Bichette, and Anthony Alford put on their best, we want to make Mark Shapiro baseball executive of the year again. Because that's what the act felt like. What were your impressions of that? How impressive was that for you to witness? And what does it say about the shape of the organization heading into its tumultuous year that now is quickly being looked at as merely a means to a greater end? And we all know what that is in 2019. Yeah, it certainly was uh, something that had buzz even down here. Um, uh, oddly enough, it was funny. I was on my drive down to Sarasota um deciding not to poke my head in at the Jays camp before and uh head straight down there to to get some work done and and sure enough as soon as I got onto the highway I started getting texts that said that Vladdy and Bo were heading down. So uh it, it was there was tons of buzz down there. I think some added attention. Uh and it worked out really well. I mean the funny thing is is that if they had all gone, you know, over three well, then I think people would have sort of shrugged and said, oh, well, you know, whatever, it's spring training, it's no big deal, it's one game. Uh, the fact that they all had uh, tremendous games, um, you know, I, I think probably only serves to, to add to uh, the mystique at this point. But, you know, it, it, it was exciting. And actually, I mean, to see them close up, I, I probably at one moment was 
was less than a foot away from Vladi, uh, standing next to the, the Jays' dugout at a certain point, um, and, and seeing uh, Bo Bichette up close. And, and uh, I, I, I think... I think that there were some people who were a bit surprised at, at Bo Bichette's size. Uh, he is, I would say, maybe a bit more undersized than people had necessarily expected. Uh, I would, I have a guess that people are going to start to put a, a Jose Altuve tag on him uh, pretty soon. I think you're going to start to hear a lot more of that in the coming year as more and more people get to see him. Um, but, you know, I mean, this is the sort of stuff that, that – that's fun. And, and frankly, for me, I am tweeting stuff out about what was happening and uh, get all sorts of uh, response from people who were probably uh, sitting someplace where there was uh, snow and cold and uh, getting excited, um, you know, while sitting at their desk at work about what was happening down here. So you know, that's, that's always the sort of stuff that kind of recharges you. And, and can we put any rumors to rest? that short of doing something absolutely unprecedented, the likelihood of, of seeing either Bo or Vlad isn't going to happen unless the team is, is out of it. Can you see there being any exception? I mean, let's hypothetically imagine these young kids get all the opportunity in spring training and they put up the kinds of numbers that clearly indicate they're ready to start tasting major league pitching today. Do you agree with the notion that maybe this is the kind of year they should be maybe using for that purpose? I mean, how seriously do you think they're looking at trying to succeed this year versus maybe just looking at gradual development lengths and asking themselves, who can we test and see whether or not they're ready for a competition from day one next year, for example? Yeah, well, two things on that. You know, I think signing guys like uh, Sung Wan Ho and Sung Wan Oh, excuse me, and uh, uh, Tyler Clippard uh, in the past couple of weeks. I, I think those are indicators that they're looking at competing this year. And, and you know, I, I know that those guys aren't necessarily the, the top of the free agent heap. Uh, they're not some of the guys who are uh, left out there on the market, but they're the sort of players who are veteran uh, relievers who you bring into a team where you think that you're going to uh, take a serious run. Um, in terms of the chances of them getting up, uh, I know that there have been discussions. Uh, Ross Atkins, I believe, has said in a couple of different places that his preference is not to bring guys up uh, at a point where they're going to be playing on a bad team. He'd rather bring them up at a point where they're playing on a good team. So if the Blue Jays succeed and if there is uh, a need, then I think that you could potentially see Vladdy. I think the bow might be maybe a, a bit more of a stretch at this point, but, um, you know, uh, rather than uh, take the perspective of, well, if it starts to go downhill, then maybe we'll get to see them by the end of the year. I think it's probably the opposite. I think that if things go well, you might see body come up and end up as, uh, end up as a, as a DH potentially, or, or, you know, depending on what the performance of some of the other players around the diamond are. So I'm very, very curious in getting your authoritative perspective on really what kind of baseball club this is. And what I mean by that is a few roundtables ago, one of my guests, I think it was Ian Hunter, had mentioned that the Blue Jays are constructing themselves on a run prevention model. 
right? The whole notion that if it's a sound defensive team that pitches competitively with the kind of starters they have and, and a, a deep bullpen, then they will definitely find themselves on the right side of the ledger more often than not. Is that the impression you get, or is there maybe an element of the Blue Jays this year that might surprise people, whether it's their power, whether it's their speed? What, what do you think is rattling around in John Gibbons' head, knowing that really this could be his final year if the team underperforms? Yeah, I think I, I, I'm not sure that that I see this as being a, a big run prevention team. Um, you know, I don't think that we know what Troy Tulowitzki is going to look like at the point when he comes back, and whether or not a P would still be a plus defender. Uh, Aledmus Diaz uh, as a shortstop, uh, I haven't been blown away by him in the field by any means, and, and and frankly, not at the plate either to this point. I mean, it's super small sample size, but but still, uh, Solarte I think um, can be can be a, a, a good fielder, but. You know, I, I think if you're talking about yourself as a run prevention team, you're wanting to to, to say that you've got a number of plus defenders uh, around the around the diamond. And at this point, I would say their plus defenders are probably Russ Martin and and uh, Kevin Pillar. You know, who who have been uh, who have been with the team for a couple of years. Um, so, you know, I mean, I I, I stand to be. Um, to be corrected on that. I, I think R- Randall Grichek is going to be a, a definite step up um, in, in right field. And, and Curtis Granderson has looked good in, in left. He's looked really good at the plate as well. Um, I think that this team is probably going to, to uh, move guys around the bases a little bit better than they did uh, last year. I think that, you know, they they de- they aren't a speedy team, but they'll definitely not be as slow a team as they were last year. Um, this morning in uh, the scrum, uh, someone raised uh, with John Gibbons whether or not if he was making efforts to keep uh, Justin Smoke and and uh, Kendris Morales separated on the uh, in the lineup, and um, and they uh, he he sort of uh, laughed that off a little bit. Um, uh, and I don't know if that was a nervous laughter or if that was uh, really a scoffing laughter, but uh, I, I, I do think that they're going to, to move guys around the bases a little bit better. Um, but, you know, on the, on the whole, I, I wouldn't say that there's anything that I would pick out as being, you know, this is what sort of team this is going to be. I, I, we're just going to have to, I think, wait and see how it plays out. And that, of course, means taking the good with the bad, involving a team that is just like some nebulous jelly, right? I mean, there are so many moving parts. I keep referring it to it on my show all the time. It's getting to the to the point where I have to ask myself, will there be any constants? Will there be any traditional Blue Jays players who will have the kind of year that we know they're capable of? And there are two in particular that you're watching that I want to get your opinion on. Naturally, Devin Travis and Aaron Sanchez. I mean, you want to talk about two players that are crucial to the Blue Jays' success this year. What are you seeing out there live in the flesh that maybe up here I'm not noticing or should be aware of concerning those two Blue Jays? Well, those those two are probably two of the Blue Jays that have impressed me the most since I've been down here. Um, I, I, I just got to see, uh, I guess, three or four innings of, of Aaron Sanchez uh, yesterday in Sarasota, 
uh, he got off to a little bit of a rough uh, start at first and, and uh, you know, he, he maybe was uh, putting forward a little bit of a different repertoire than he would uh, normally uh, just because, you know, it's a divisional rival and, and maybe he didn't want to, to show them what he had. But uh, in his later innings in that game, you really saw uh, – I think not just the old Aaron Sanchez, but I think you might be seeing a next level for Aaron Sanchez. And, and uh, I think that could carry the Blue Jays uh, a long way. Uh, in terms of uh, Devin Travis, I mean, that bat is back. And and I don't know that, you know, uh, the bat was ever a question for him. Uh, I think just staying healthy and staying on the field is the, the big thing for him. And, and you know, knee problems are, are chronic and it's hard to say whether or not if he's going to be a guy who ever is able to play more than 140 games in a season. But when he's in there, that swing uh, generates a lot of power and it's quick to the ball. And it's just been something to, to see him. He He's hit it hard uh, in every game that I've seen him. Uh, he crushed uh, a ball to center field for a home run today. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I think that that so long as he can stay healthy, and that's a big if with, with Devin Travis, I think that he's going to be a real key to the offense. So, so what names maybe are there that are not on the edge of people's lips? Because there are hopefuls out there. There are, of course, the uh, – the, the, replacement parts, the notion that Solarte and Diaz and Grychuk and Garcia will pick up the baton and run with it. How are the next tier of less talked about players that you and I have referred to over the year, like the Barookies and the Jansons and the Guriel? What names are really kind of maybe there to surprise us as the dark horse for this year? Yeah, I think that there are some interesting guys in camp. Uh, Ryan Barucki pitched today. I thought uh, really intriguing, threw harder than I realized, was up around 94, um, worked quick, uh, mixed his speeds well. You know, I, I think he's probably close. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me perhaps if he is the uh, is the first pitcher who gets the call from Buffalo. Uh, you know, there is, uh, I, I mean, I, I've only seen Jansen play once, I believe. I, I get the chance to, to chat with him briefly. And, and you know, he's, uh, he's a smart guy with a uh, good head on his shoulders and really good perspective in terms of uh, how it is that he's, um, that he is uh, preparing uh, for, I think, what's going to be a bigger and bigger role for him. Um, you know, sometimes, I mean, you're, you're getting to see people sort of uh, for, for a couple of uh, a couple of plate appearances here or there. Jonathan Davis, who is an outfielder, uh, uh, I think he made it up to Buffalo last year. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll probably, like uh, Roman Fields, end up uh, staying back in New Hampshire this year just with the depth that they have at out, outfield. But uh, I thought uh, Jonathan Davis has looked really good. You know, um, uh, speed, defense, and center field uh, hit the ball a ton uh, the other day. Um, uh, Jason Lublobesian, who I think, you know, uh, became sort of a running joke in part because uh, I think people uh, trying to figure out both the spelling and pronunciation of the name, which is actually pretty easy when you get to it. And he also 
is one of those guys who ends up being, you know, a triple A all-star and people keep talking about him. And I think some of the uh, more jaded fans would take a look at that and say, you know, there's a reason why the, the, these guys are in triple A. But Jason Lebelbesian plays all around the diamond, and you know I could see. Uh, I don't think that he is the solution to any of the Blue Jays' problems, but I could see him being a useful piece down the stretch, and maybe even in September. Um, you know, he hits the ball well. He, he and he's not a you know he's 26, so he's not uh, a guy who is uh, completely past his uh, past his prime at this point. So. You know, those are, those are some of the guys that uh, that that I've picked up on. Um, saw someone named Ryan Noda today who got into the uh, lineup. Uh, his stat line last year from uh, Bluefield, I believe, he played in is pretty gaudy. He had a 500 uh, or a 507 OPS. Or sorry, 507 on base percentage and an OPS over a thousand. Uh, get to see him today, and he had a, a nice at bat against a pitcher who was probably a couple of levels above him. So, so there's there's lots of guys uh, around here. I mean, that's one of the one of the things that you always take away from being at camp is just how many players it takes to to really add up to an organization. And and you know when you're seeing sixty uh, plus, maybe an extra five or six coming over from the minor league camp every day you realize that it does take a lot of uh, players just to to comprise an organization. It certainly does. And I do love the delicious irony of you mentioning Ryan Noda, whom I had the pleasure of interviewing, I think, about 10 or 11 months ago. And even at that time, just from hearing him speak about his game and his commitment to it, it doesn't surprise me that he's on your radar. I mean, it's a testament to the fact that in a very short time, this Blue Jays organization has developed so many possibilities and you know Dal you and I both know from our years in baseball they are just possibilities that's the thing you can even argue don't you think that we're romanticizing them because that's what we do in Toronto not just in baseball but also in hockey and basketball you get a prospect you hype him up and you pray that he sticks even though that whole method almost cost us the Carlos Delgados and Roy Halliday's uh, of the past do you see this organization really having taken a bold step forward in finally understanding how to cultivate the right kind of sustained recipe for success so we don't have to wait another 25 years? Well, I think that there's uh, there's a lot uh, that you can look at that, uh, that I think is positive in terms of where they're going. Even the fact that they, uh, they held fast on certain players and, and they didn't move many uh, minor leaguers out. They actually brought back guys like Thomas Pannone, uh And, uh, um, you know, there's a, there's a few other guys who they brought back in, in trade in the past year or so, uh, who are guys who I think are going to, uh, who are going to come quickly uh, for this team. So I, I think that, um, that, I, you know, I, I have a lot of optimism about where the team is going and, and, and uh, and the systems that they are putting in place. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I, I think there are lots of steps in the right direction. But, you know, ultimately, 29 teams go home unhappy at the end of the year. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of ways to lose and a lot of ways to win. 
so, you know, I, I, and I guess that is, you know, part of what uh, makes sports fun and, and inherently romantic. I mean, sports don't matter uh, ultimately, but they're fun. And that's, and I think that sometimes we, we do tend to, to lose sight of that at times, um, uh, you know, because we do take them so seriously and we do treat them as life and death. And, you know, I, I, I like the idea that uh, you get to, to, to follow along and, you know, maybe you win, maybe you lose, but hopefully you, uh, hopefully you, you enjoyed yourself along the way. That was enormously poetic, Mr. Steve. And I can't blame you for romanticizing things the way I also do. No, I, I do it as well. I uh, I have an expectation every year that, that, as a fan, I'm respected by the organization. And I haven't felt that way in a very, very long time. And it seems like the more former Blue Jays I have a chance to speak with, they all echo the same sentiment. This organization needs to remember where they were, how they started, and what they were once upon a time devoted to. You know, not just a family atmosphere, but looking after the fan value for their investment. It's expensive. It's it's surreal for me to hear Mark Shapiro come out and say that the Blue Jays had the best attendance, but the third worst, what they call premium revenue. How did you feel about that when you heard that, by the way? Did that kind of hit you as awkwardly as it struck me in realizing just how uh, one-sided this whole experience is for the fan every year as things go on? You know, I I, I mean, I think... Mark uh, Shapiro uh, speaks like uh, a management type. And I think he, that's what he is. So I, I don't blame him for that. I, I frankly, you know, I want to see the team recognize where they're, where they're weak in terms of uh, maximizing revenues. Cause I think we all know uh, that they have to maximize the revenues if they're going to maximize the, the expenditures on on uh, on either players or the system, or in stadium, or down here in Dunedin. So, you know that stuff isn't going to fall from the sky. You know it's not going to fall from uh, the corporate uh, masters uh, there, because you know in terms of capital expenditures, I mean they get more bang for their buck by by spending you know on their uh, wireless networks and on their data networks and and uh, and all that sort of thing. So, uh, so you know, the the, the team is uh, as it always has been a business. Every team is a business. I don't mind the business guy talking like a business guy. I understand that uh, there's a thing where it, it comes back and it, it can make a fan feel in some ways as though. Uh, they're being told that they're they're cheapskates or whatnot, and especially when ticket prices have gone up a couple of times, and I think by a substantial amount in the last few years. So I wouldn't blame a fan if they if they felt a, a, a bit put out or or whatnot. Um, you know, sometimes you don't like to have that level of honesty, um, but I think there are lots of fans who appreciate the level of honesty that they're getting. Uh, from from this front office, and and it, it's a def, it's definitely a different tone than uh, than what you saw in the Paul Beeston days, uh, what you saw in the Paul Godfrey days. You know, it it, it definitely it strikes a different tone. But uh, I, I I think that that 
there's a very smart business approach here, and I don't begrudge them uh, that, even though I think it's going to make some of us dig a little deeper uh, into our uh, into our wallets. And you know, I mean, Toronto is a big city. Hopefully, what that means is that uh, on the corporate side, that there are some corporations uh, who are bringing uh, bringing their employees or, or customers or whatever out to the ball game and being asked to dig a little bit deeper. And, uh, but in any case, I, I, you know, it's weird to root for dollars and cents, but ultimately I think that, I, I think that we know that there is another way that this could go. You know, the, the Blue Jays could be, it could be the Rays, or they could be the Oakland A's, or they could be the Montreal Expos. You know, there's a lot of different ways that this business could play out, and, and I think knowing that someone's got a sure hand on the on the tiller um, uh, is something that I appreciate. As do I, although I will begrudgingly admit that many of my listeners are probably wincing because they view it more as almost a form of being an apologist for the new regime. Um, which I, I don't think we are because we're willing to see what this defining year is really all about. Because you, I think you'll agree this is the year that there's a correlation between our efforts now and the result. And we can say on a linear star graph, this is how we got there. Um, would you agree that given that the first year was kind of like getting still everything that was Anthopolis on deck, trying to compete, followed by a year where you know the baseball gods basically slapped them down and said, you're not prepared, this is what happens to your baseball club. What does your gut tell you about what this year will mean uh, based on the Mark Shapiro-Ross Atkins formula? Well, I do think that you know, you're looking at, uh, at a point in the cycle where they can start to claim a lot of the decisions uh, as their own. Uh, and, and there's fewer things that you can uh, put back on the old regime. Uh, you know, I, I think that this feels uh, a bit more like a, like fully the new regime's uh, uh, approach. And, and so, I, I, you know, it'll, it'll get put to the test, but at the same time, I don't think that you can look at one baseball season and say that defines... Uh, that defines the the management team's approach. You know, I, I I mean, it's a screwy game, and that's part of why we love it. But it's also uh, something where I think that you can come away uh, from a season, and and you know, you can come away from a season maybe with the with an impression that the team is either better than it was or not as good uh, as it was. Um, so. You know, I, I, I think it's going to be interesting. I think that there's a lot going on with this team on and off the field. And, and I think that we are going to see a lot more decisions um, that will define uh, how it is that we're ultimately going to look back on this uh, regime and, 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 and view them. I think that they've got decisions coming up. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about Vladi and Bo and Anthony Alford. Uh, they've got decisions coming up pretty quickly on Marcus Stroman, on Aaron Sanchez, and on uh, Roberto Osuna. And those are guys who, uh, by 2021, um, uh, could be out of the organization, So, uh, or by the end of 2021. So, you know, I mean, there's, there's big decisions coming up in terms of the future of the team and, and, and where they go from here. So, 
Uh, I, I think that in some ways uh, you might consider the last couple of years a sort of uh, slow start, and now they've uh, they've just crossed the start line into uh, into getting into the the work that they wanted to do right from the outset. Well, I'm sure it'll never be a dull moment this year. And that's something that after last year, the fan base needs, which is bursts of inspiration and opportunity to show that they're uh, a competitive ball club and that the personnel and leadership are doing everything they can to give the fans quality baseball. So I, I take it that instinctively you're looking at this team, you're looking at the outfield, the infield, the bullpen, even though there's still some decisions to be made on that front, and the starting pitching, and you're saying to yourself, this is a year that something really good could happen, despite all the cynicism and all the naysayers and all the expectations of what the regime should or shouldn't be doing, this could be the kind of year that just might surprise fans. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that they're the Yankees or Red Sox at this point. And I, 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 I don't want anyone to think that, that, uh, that that's maybe what I'm positing here. So I think that they've got a good team. I think that they're going to be a team that's going to be in the mix this year. Uh, and, you know, funny stuff happens, uh, you know, and sometimes good teams play poorly and sometimes uh, good teams play way above their heads. So I, I think that they're going to be an interesting team. Um, I, I think that they're a better team than they were last year, and last year they won 76 games with a team that was really kind of brutal at times. So, uh, you know, Aaron Sanchez coming back, uh, hopefully getting a full season out of him. You know, uh, uh, some added depth to the rotation, uh, you know, not having Darwin Barney and Ryan Goins be your everyday um, uh, everyday middle infield. There's a lot of stuff here that's, that's trending in the right direction, and, and I think uh, they'll be interesting uh, for sure. I, I, I think that they're probably an 85, 86, 87 win true talent team, so you know, maybe that that's a team that loses out on the second wild card on the last weekend of the year, or maybe that's a team that uh, uh, that pushes its way into the conversation for the division. But uh, you know, they're 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 not without their challenges. But I think that they're going to be an entertaining team nonetheless. Well, old friend, I certainly appreciate you taking the time to drop in and talk about it straight from the source, if you will. I really don't know how to feel myself yet, but with every passing day, there isn't something that doesn't make it intriguing. And I think that's what makes this season, and baseball for that matter, it's what makes us romanticize something that really is really not that important in life. But for so many people in particular, it might be the only thing. You know, I'm really sick and tired of plugging you because I do it so often, so you know the drill. Go ahead, my friend. So, sportsnet.ca should be on Fridays this year throughout the season. Uh, I have something up uh, posted yesterday, uh, which is not Friday, and I'll have something early next week as well. Uh, a piece yesterday just about uh, the the pace and energy around the camp, and uh, next week I'll have uh, sort of a, a, a longer notes piece on some of my observations. So uh, I think uh, people are getting a little bit of a sneak preview uh, on the podcast, and then uh, as I say, uh, uh, it'll be Fridays uh, throughout the year. And you know you can always find me on Twitter. I'm probably there making 
dumb jokes and and uh, obscure references and whatever it is that I can do to entertain myself and get those precious, precious likes. You have been listening to writer, blogger, sports broadcaster, cinematographer, director, and producer of so many great things, <laughs> Toronto Blue Jays, Dallo Steve. Thanks for joining us here on the Jays Journal Podcast. Thanks, Ari. This next guest isn't just the site expert of the Jays Journal and one of the most prolific Blue Jays writers across North America. He's also a personal friend and the man who knows where I stash my secret caskets of ale during an already anticipated what will be a very tumultuous baseball season. Chris Henderson is back on the podcast. Chris, how the hell are you? I'm doing very well. My friend, how are you doing? Well, you can see I'm already unraveling slowly. We don't know what to expect about this upcoming season, and yet we make it our passion and livelihood to talk about it and write about it and hopefully educate some fans along the way with our perspectives, whether they agree or not, on what this baseball season will be all about. And we're halfway through spring training. Hard to believe we still have to wait what seems like an eternity just to get the regular season going, but it will happen this month, which is a novelty. I can't remember the last time I've been this excited about March baseball. My tongue is firmly in my cheek. But tell me, what's going through through your head? What's in the Henderson mentality when it comes to the season? How are you looking at things as they stand? You know what, I think uh, there's a lot of reason for optimism, and I tend to be a glass chastel type of type of guy and a type of writer. But uh, I really like the work that Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro did this off season. You know, they didn't do anything that was terribly flashy. They didn't bring in like a premium free agent by any means, but they addressed a lot of holes that were on the roster last year. And just I think the biggest issue that uh, the Blue Jays faced in 2017 was a lack of depth in a lot of areas. And as I look across the roster right now, I, I see a, a ton of depth pretty much across the board with a few exceptions. Um, so I'm really liking the way that the roster is unfolding. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm expecting that uh, the Blue Jays are going to surprise some people this year. But uh, I, again, I tend to be the, the glass half full type. I'm also the glass half full type. Last year, it was the glass half full of whiskey scotch. This year, yeah. I hope it'll be soft drinks because I'll be very thirsty. Thirsty in watching what you and I have both agreed is a product that could end up surprising many or disappointing some, although I don't know how much more you can be disappointed after last year. So our, our barometer is starting halfway at the cup where we can assume that this team will be good for 81 wins, uh, you know, in being a 500 team. Eluded us completely last year. And I, I'm looking at our website right now at thejaysjournal.com. And this is going to be a new installment I'm going to call Henderson's Corner, where we go and look at some of the articles <laughs> right now that are trending. And I want to do kind of a rapid fire. I'll mention the article. And maybe you can talk a little bit about your impressions related to it. For example, Charlie Marshall, one of our contributors, put in an article talking about Joe Biagini and how he fits nicely as a depth arm. What's your definitive take on him? Are you thrilled that he's a sixth starter, knowing that Stroman might not be able to start the season and that he's a great insurance policy if we have a tough April? I really like him. You know, I like him as a bullpen arm. But at this stage and with the other veteran uh, minor league contracts that uh, they brought in, I like him as a sixth starter, you know, because I think he can be at least serviceable. Um, I, I do ultimately think he's going to end up in the bullpen in his career, but I think he's serviceable as a as a starter for short stints, and especially early in the season, they're still kind of auditioning bullpen arms. 
Um, you know, and, and that way it gives us a little bit more depth before they start getting to guys like Ryan Barucki and, you know, Thomas, uh, I always wonder if I'm always questioning whether I'm saying his name, right. But, um, both guys for that matter, (laughs) but, uh, you know, I do like him in that role and especially because like I said, the the minor league contract arms that have been brought in, um, I think have uh, given the Blue Jays the opportunity to, to have be genius, that sixth guy. And, uh, I'm thrilled that he's not one of the, he's not the fifth guy because I think that just again that depth that I was talking about earlier is important and um, having him one step back is, is great for the organization. Give us uh, a quick synopsis if you will of your uh, Stroman article that's uh, trending right now on the journal. What are your thoughts about his current status and, and what should fans realistically expect? Well I think he's looking good and, and uh, you know what I talked about in the article is that he's the type of guy that's motivated and doesn't want to be held back and, and we should really appreciate that about him. Uh, but in this case, I really hope that both he and the Blue Jays exercise caution and understand that if he misses a start or two to begin the season, um, you know, for the sake of ultimately being healthy for the other 30 starts of the year, then then that's okay. And especially because of the presence of, of a guy like Biagini and the Jaime Garcia that was brought in, um, that allows the Blue Jays um, the opportunity to just make sure that he's right and that he's stretched out properly before the season starts. Um, He's, he is that type of guy that doesn't want to be uh, doesn't want to sit on the sidelines, but um, but I think it's probably in his best interest to uh, be very cautious to begin the year. So, Chris, let me ask you this: in all fairness, if I were say an employee who worked for you, and for three years, when called upon, I more than adequately did what I needed to do at the plate, played sound defense, and was flexible enough to give you options in the outfield and was scheduled to make $1.9 million, why would you release me? You know who I'm referring to, of course. A man that I once wrote about on the Jays Journal called Ezequiel Carrera. We hardly knew you. What happened? Well, you know, I think it was just a case of um, of upside. And as much as uh, Carrera was probably an underrated performer, especially with the bat, I mean, on offense, if he was the type of guy that... Uh, the one thing that I would take issue with in his description is that he, he really did... Um, could fall very short as a defensive outfielder. He was capable, quote-unquote capable, of playing center field, but his defensive numbers were very poor. Um, you know, depending on all three defensive positions, he was uh, just was under under average. Um, he had issues hitting the cutoff man. He had issues judging the ball at times. And, and it was surprising because he has the kind of build and makeup that you think he'd be a good defensive option. Um, but it was just a case of, uh, you know, the Blue Jays had seen what his, I think they had seen his ceiling. And uh, with guys like, um, you know, Randall Grichuk is an example. I think uh, we've yet to see his ceiling at the major league level. And there's guys like Teoscar Hernandez and Anthony Alford in the system that ultimately um, have a much bigger ceiling than what the Blue Jays uh, could see from Carrera. So I think it's ultimately best for, for him um, to be a free agent because he wasn't going to really see the field in Toronto this year unless there was a plethora of injuries. And uh, hopefully he'll catch on in another market and, and get a chance to play a bit more than, than he would have here. And to round out the last uh, article here on Henderson's Corner, we're going to have to think of a better name. I'm thinking like Henderson's Haberdashery or something, you know, and I'll have like <laughs> a theme music that I'll bleed into the edit. So it'll be like Chris Isaac's Wicked Game or something. I don't know why I thought of that. Song, <laughs> but we need to do something special for this installment. You've written an article called Gibbons overvalues Russell Martin's offense. Uh, tell my listeners what exactly that article is all about, because I, I enjoyed it enormously. 
you know, I was surprised that I didn't get roasted more because it, when, when you write things like that, you generally people seem to uh, think that you're attacking somebody. But I started the article by by describing how much I appreciate Russell Martin, and I and I really do. I think he's been a tremendous asset to the Blue Jays uh, defensively. How he's he's coached along this young pitching staff, guys like Marcus Marcus Stroman, Roberto Osuna. Aaron Sanchez have all benefited from his presence, and veterans like uh, Jay Happ have, have as well. And you know, he's just a great guy to have in the clubhouse and behind the plate. And I think he's above average performer at the plate as a catcher as well. But uh, I've often just thought that uh, Gibbons, you know, just has used him in a role that uh, was maybe a bit of a stretch. You know, at time, last year I was. Uh, you know, looking at the article last year, the most frequent, uh, frequently used lineup in, in granted, an injury-riddled year. Um, he was the second, you know, hit in the second spot in, in the order as the most frequent lineup. And and in you know, the last previous few years, he's been average hitting in the fifth or sixth spot a lot. And uh, I've always just wondered why, um, you know, because I think he, he flourishes as a seven or eight hitter, you know, being in the bottom third of the lineup. Um, you know, and he's just been placed ahead of guys that I've always felt that uh, maybe were a better fit in the order. But uh, I'm glad that most people read the entire article and didn't attack me and say, "How can you say Russell Martin sucks?" That's not at all what I'm saying. He's, uh, I just think he, um, the Gibbons just has him too high in the order. I'm wondering if Henderson's way works better for like a cool name for this segment. I'll, I'll have to brainstorm and figure that out. That is excellent. As always, your insight on these subjects is not only welcome, but gives a lot of clarity. What have you got on the go right now? What should uh, followers and fans alike expect from the Jays Journal in the days to come? Oh, you know what? That's a good question. I've got a lot of different ideas that I'm kicking around, and, and I'm really paying close attention to the moves they've been making. You know, just uh, I find the... Uh, I just find the depth, and I think I wrote about this recently, but the one thing I've just really been uh, really noticing this year is just the depth that exists within the organization. I'm, I'm fascinated to see what kind of uh, contribution they're going to get from uh, Solarte and from Diaz in the middle infield and how long it's going to take before George Ulitsky can get back on the field and be, and be healthy. I think that's a situation that uh, is worth monitoring. But, uh, again, it's a situation that the Blue Jays have um, a lot more depth and a lot more um, a lot more reason to be reassured. Well, Henderson, you came in with a glass half full, but I think this last little segment just made it completely full again, full of promise and hope. And it's always a pleasure to have you in particular articulate what fans really should be looking forward to. Thank you for dropping by the show, my friend. And uh, maybe we'll do a, a live roundtable soon. But one thing's for sure, there'll be no shortage of things that we can talk about when it comes to the Toronto Blue Jays. Thanks for appearing on the Jays Journal podcast. My pleasure, my friend. Anytime. So my next guest is actually a familiar voice on the podcast that, quite frankly, doesn't get featured often enough, and I blame him almost exclusively for that. He's a popular <laughs> and celebrated podcaster based in Toronto and has a show on Girth Radio that has him interviewing some of the most famous celebrities, sports personalities, and politicians across Canada and North America. Kareem Kanji, welcome back to the Jays Journal podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Ari. Thank you so much. I practiced that opening for at least 12 minutes, maybe 14 minutes earlier today. So, um, I came I prepared. I practiced, I practiced your first name just to make sure. Oh, snap. Let's hope Roger <laughs> was listening to somewhere and yeah. learning. Um, yeah. You and I both share that. We share the way people have pronounced our names. It's all part of the wonderful world of podcasting. And Before I get into some of the stuff you've been working on, let's, let's yeah. start the real reason you're here because I wanted my audience to get your take on this Toronto Blue Jays 
upcoming season, specifically because you're someone that when not working and not being a family man, you are a ravenous Blue Jays fan. You can't get enough. You grew up in those halcyon days back in the early 90s. You've been following the team for decades. What is your take? What's your gut feeling about what this 2018 spring training is leading to? Are you excited or are you dismayed? How are you feeling emotionally right now? Um, I'm torn because I, what I see is that there's there's two teams that that are are, are taking place here that that that's being formed. We've got the um, we've got the the Troy Tulowitzki Josh Donaldson Blue Jays, um, and then we've got the uh, Anthony Alford Dalton Pompey Blue Jays. Um, so we've got the old guard in terms of age, and we've got the new guard. Um, and I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I'm just hoping that the brain trust of uh, the Toronto Blue Jays makes the right decisions for the future. I, I don't know whether or not this is a team that can win now. Um, I, I think uh, if I were a betting man, I, I wouldn't. I, I put. I wouldn't put any money on the Blue Jays, um, because I, I I don't know what this team is or who this team is, just because of they've got these two different types of players. But surely this off season, did it do anything to restore any faith? I mean, when you look at Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins, and the way that they prepared this team for the new year after the debacle of last year. I mean, you and I have talked about it extensively. I've had you on my show. I've been on your show. We know the, I have to use this term because it's now officially in Webster's Dictionary. That was a dumpster fire last year. Yeah. Have they made any moves, or, or rather, based on the moves that they've made, have they not at least restored some faith or, or purchased some license of credibility with you that maybe they know what they're doing and maybe you should have legitimately some faith in what this team could potentially do? See, it all depends. Uh, so number one question on the Blue Jays is Josh Donaldson, in my opinion. Uh, and the reason that he's a question is um, I'm, I'm asking why, why do we still have Josh Donaldson? Because for all intents and purposes, all the signals that he's given is that he does not want to be uh, on this team. He wants to be in a big market U.S. team. Um, you know, I see him as a Dodger, I see him as a Yankee, I see him as a Met, I see him down there, because that's sort of the type of individual that Josh Donaldson seems to be. He seems to be um, all for himself, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I don't think that Josh Donaldson is a Toronto Blue Jay after the season. Um, and if that's the truth, why is he here? Because I don't think the Jays are winning anything this year. They might get a wild card if everybody is healthy all the time. But I think we need to do something about Josh Donaldson. Um, I think we need to do something about, about Troy Tulowitzki. I know we've sunk a lot. Sorry, I shouldn't say we, but I know Rogers has sunk a lot of money in Troy Tulowitzki. But um, I, you know, unless there's doctors that think that he's he's going to come back to to health. And, and play 120, 140 games. Um, I don't know why Troy Tulowitzki uh, is still a part of this team outside of 15 and 20 million dollars a year that they've sunk into him. We can both agree that with Troy Tulowitzki, it's really out of the organization's hands, given the status of his contract, the length, and the reality of 
of uh, the bill of goods that the Blue Jays ended up getting, which is a player that not only started to regress, but is now so injury prone that the team needs to rely on signing backup infielders galore. But sticking with Donaldson, I'm curious, do you think that the reason he's not a Blue Jay after this year will have more to do with the Blue Jays' lack of enthusiasm to give him a long-term contract or as you alluded to earlier, and by the way, you're one of the first people I've spoken with who's taking the position that he wants to be a big market player. Usually the, 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 the old saying around these parts is that he's saying all the right things to stay a Blue Jay, but you're not buying that. You think in the end Josh Donaldson knows that 2019 will be the biggest free agency extravaganza ever, and he is dead set on capitalizing on it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, without a shadow of a doubt, he, you know, as, you know most, I think all players want two things as a professional athlete. Uh, number one, they want to win. Number two, they want to get paid. Um, so I think, beyond a shadow of a doubt, uh, Josh Donaldson uh, will get paid. Um, uh, number two, he wants to win. And looking at this team, does he feel that this team is, is, is ready to win? If, if he takes a look at, again, the Troy Chalewski contract, if he takes a look at the Russell Martin contract, um, does he feel that that hampers the team or hinders the team? I think with the current ownership um, and, and the way that they've structured their whole business, I think Troy and Russell hinder this team. And if they do, and if Josh feels the same way, then um, he'll take a million dollars less and go play you know, anywhere else where he thinks he's got a better chance of winning. Um, you know, and that... You know, he can. We, I think that players will always they, they get media training. He's a smart guy. Um, you know, he knows what he needs to say uh, to keep in the good graces, to sell more jerseys, to uh, to continue to be popular, to uh, to continue to be respected in the clubhouse. Um, but you know, I don't know. There's just things that that I sense. You know, whether it is you know, screw the school across the street. I'm going to play my music loud. Um, or, you know, never seeing, seeming to be um, eye-to-eye with his manager, um, or, you know, not really caring whether he's getting any reps in spring training. Um, I'm, I think he's looking past this year. That's, that's the feeling I get from Josh Donaldson. And on a recent poll, which I ran on my Twitter feed and included his name with Marcus Stroman, Aaron Sanchez, and Roberto Osuna, I pose the question to my followers, if you were president for one day, which of those four Blue Jays would you sign to a lucrative long-term contract? And he's in third place, Kareem. That's extraordinary for me to see. We're either underestimating how savvy the Blue Jays fans are in understanding the value of investing in a 33-year-old infielder versus a 25-year-old pitcher in his prime, or maybe some of that luster is simply being lost. I mean, he is the so-called one of the leaders of the team and and a shining example of what a game-breaking MVP is. Have the Blue Jays successfully found a way to show fans that, hey, you know, there is life after him, and even though you won't be thrilled when he's gone, we want to prepare you with the promise of exciting and shiny new things in the future. Hey, that's why I'm excited about uh, the Blue Jays of the future. Um, I think they have... Uh, an exciting young team uh, up and coming. I don't know whether this will be the year. I don't know whether or not, you know, trips to Buffalo this year to see the Bisons are going to be in order to see some of the great young players uh, that they have uh, coming up. Uh, but, you know, just on the on the active roster, players like an Anthony Alford, 
players like uh, Teoscar Hernandez, um, you know, Dalton Pompey, can he come back uh, from uh, the past couple of seasons where it seems that he's been injured? Uh, Dwight Smith, you know, these are um, these are just a few players, you know, notwithstanding, you know, players like you said, a, a Marcus Stroman um, and, and Aaron Sanchez. Um, you know, these are players that, and Roberto Osuna, these are, these are players that I think are the quote-unquote future um, of, of the Blue Jays. And not future in terms of four to five years down the road. Um, I think in, in two to three years, um, this team plus the people that are coming up plus what I think will be saving in salaries once uh, Troy and Russell are off the books, um, I think this is a team that um, is going to be very, very exciting to watch. And pray tell, Kareem, what of your beloved Jose Bautista, a player that oh I know my. for a fact you've, you've always admired, you've always, quite frankly, defended whenever we've gotten into, into any discussions or arguments about the things that he does both on and off the field and has been doing the last few years that he struggled what are your thoughts about mm-hmm. the fact that he might be out of Major League Baseball? Um, I hope he's not. It w- it will it's, it's, it'll be sad for Jose Bautista fans um, when when he does leave baseball, whether that is now um, or whether that is in in, in a year or, or two. Um, I think that um, you know I, I kick myself for not going to uh, the last series at home to uh, you know tip my hat to him. Um, but it's uh, so two things. Number one, it's it's sad that um, it looks like he's not going to be signed anytime soon by an MLB team. But uh, he's always worked hard. You know, he's he's always kept himself in shape uh, during the off season. Um, he's he's a smart ball player. I, I hope the past two years has taught him that you know maybe he needs to make a few changes to his game. What those changes are, you know, not for me to say. I, I don't really know. Um, but, but number two, I think we've seen, um, one of the last, um, Blue Jays or, or with Jose Bautista, I think what we're, what we're seeing or what we have seen over the past decade or so that he was here is someone who epitomizes what it is to be a Blue Jay, someone who, uh, will work hard, will back up his teammates, um, will play the right way. Will play where he he is he is asked uh, to play. Uh, a player who is, is is a proud baseball player, proud of where he comes from, uh, and made tweaks to his game earlier on. Early on, when he started with the Blue Jays, um, to propel himself to be uh, one of the top three, four players that have ever put on uh, the Blue Jays uniform. Ironic, isn't it, that you also mentioned in all the sacrifices and in, and in all the sense of duty, he did it under a very, very favorable contract that Anthopolis was able to sign. So it makes you wonder whether there's some leftover resentment for the fact that he never really made the top dollar he probably should have. And now at this stage in his career, it's not going to happen. Yeah, that's that's a, that's. A, I mean, he's, he's made a lot of money. Let's <laughs> not... Uh ourselves but you're right he yeah. didn't make he was he wasn't paid what his peers were paid when he was arguably a top five player in the league well my friend there is great intrigue this season and i look forward to uh i look forward to dropping by on your show and talking about it yeah right before the opening pitch we'll have you in studio and uh 
we'll uh, we'll chat about the 2018 Blue Jays, or as I like to call it, the second annual Kanji Shapiro Invitational. There you, know, you go. <laughs> we, should probably, we should maybe we should open the lines and and turn it into a big exposition as to the the truly bizarre and schizophrenic nature of this year we don't know what to expect we don't know what will happen but i'm sure we'll find a way to rationalize it uh kareem before i let you go tell me about some stuff you've got on the horizon and what you're working on and how my listeners can enjoy you on social media yeah absolutely well you can always find me on twitter at uh kareem kanji and uh i've got some uh, some really cool guests uh up and coming we got uh jeremiah brown who's coming into the studio. He's a Sil, Sil Canadian, Team Canada silver medalist for, in rowing, um, who is uh, also a brand-new um, author. Uh, he's written a, a book. I believe the book is called The Four-Year Olympian. Uh, so mm. he's going to come into the studio fresh from uh, Pyeongchang and I'm going to talk about his journey as well as uh, Team Canada and, and how they fared. Um, I also have... Mohamed Faki, I, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. He's the uh, founder and CEO of uh, Paramount Foods. Uh, they just named a stadium out in Mississauga. It used to be, oh, I can't remember the name of that stadium now, um, or that or Hershey Center. Uh, it's mm-hmm. now the Paramount Center. So uh, he's going to come uh, into studio. Uh, and so those are just a, a few of the guests we do have uh, for those people our age, Ari. Uh, I have Alan Fru from Glass Tiger coming in as well. Wow, I'm not going to miss that one. And neither, <laughs> neither will I forgive you for making me feel my age right now because Glass Tiger. Was, <laughs> when, when I think of Glass Tiger, I think of early years, early '90s Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, there it's you go. Synonymous with them. Fantastic. Awesome. Thank you for having me.